Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. Chapter One. Tom, no answer. Tom, no answer. Where was gone with that boy? I wonder. You, Tom, no answer. The old lady pulled her spectacles down and looked over them about the room. Then she put them up and looked out under them. She seldom or never looked through them for so small a thing as a boy. They were her state pair, the pride of her heart. They were built for style, not service. She would have seen through a pair of stove lids just as well. She looked perplexed for a moment, then said, not fiercely, but still loud enough for the furniture to hear, Well, I say, if I get hold of you, I'll... She did not finish, by, for by this time she was bending down and punching under the bed with a broom, and so she needed, so she needed breath to punch, punctuate the punches with. She reconstructed nothing but the cat. We reacted nothing but the cat. I never did see the beat of that boy. He went to the open door and stood in it and looked out among the tornado vines and gypsum weeds and concentrated the garden. No, Tom, she lifted her voice, an angle of calculated for distance and shouted, You, Tom! There was a slight noise behind her. She turned around just in time to seize a small boy by the snack of his roundabout and rest his flight. There, uh, I might may, may, am full of that closet you've been doing in there. Nothing. Nothing. Look at your hands, or look at your mouth. What is it, that truck? I don't know, Aunt. Well, I know, it's jam. That's what it is. Forty times I said, if you don't, don't let, don't, don't, didn't you let the jam alone? I'll skin you. Hand me that switch. The switch hovered in the air. The pearl, pearl was desperate. My, look behind you, Aunt. The old lady whirled around and snatched her skirts out of danger. The lad fled and, for instance, scrambled up the high board fence and disappeared over it. His Aunt Polly stood surprised for a moment and broke into a gentle laugh. Hang that boy, can I ever learn, never learn anything? Any play me tricks enough? Like that for me to be looking out for him by this time. But old fools is the biggest fools. Here he is. Can't learn an old dog new tricks, as saying is. But my goodness, he never plays them alike. Two, day, two days, and now he, how is his body to know what's coming? He appears to know just how long he can torment me before I get my dander up. He knows if I can make out, he can make out put me off for a minute or make me laugh it's all down again i can't hit that in my dick i ain't going doing my duty by that boy and that's the lord's truth goodness knows spare the rod and spell the child as the good book says i laying up sin and suffering for us both i know he's full of the old scratch but by laws of me by my own dead sister's boy poor thing i ain't got the heart to lash him somehow Every time I let him off, my conscience does hurt me so. Every time I hit him with my old heart break, most 
Most breaks. Well, a man, well, a man that is born a woman. A few days are full of trouble. The scripture says, I reckon he did it so. He played hooky this evening. And at seven works southwest for afternoon. I shall be obliged to, to make him work tomorrow. I'll punish him. It might mighty hard to make him work Saturdays when all the boys having holidays. But he work, hates work more than he hates anything else. I've got to be, do some duty by him. Or I'll, it'll be the ruination of the child. Tom did hurt hockey. He had a very good time. He got back home barely in season to help Jim. The small coloured boy next door day's wood saw next day's wood and split the kindlings before supper. At least he was there in time to tell his adventures to Jim. Well Jim did three parts both of the work. Tom's younger brother, or rather half brother, said, Well do food with his part of the work, pick up chips. For he was a quiet boy, had no adventurous trouble some way some ways. When Tom was eating his supper and stealing sugar at the chumity as opportunities offered, Aunt Polly asked him questions that were both full of gall and very deep, for he wanted to trap him into damaging revealments. Like many other simple hearted souls, it was her pet vanity to believe she was endowed with a talent for dark and mysterious dimomancy. Dim, she loved to complimentate her most transparent devices and marvels of low cunning. She said, Tom, it was a meddling warm in the school, wasn't it? Yes, ma'am. Powerful warm, wasn't it? Yes, ma'am. Do you ever want to go swimming, Tom? Bit of a scare shot that through Tom. A touch of uncomfortable suspicion. He searched on Molly's for his face, but it told him nothing. So he said, No, ma'am, well, not very much. The old lady reached but out one hand at all, felt the church and said, But you ain't too warm now, though. It flattered her to reflect that she had discovered that the skirt was dry, without anyone knowing that there was what she had in her mind. But in spite of her, Tom knew where the loving lay. He was forestalled at what might be the next move. Some of us pumped our heads, minds damp yet. See, Aunt Polly was vexed to think she had overlooked what that bit of circumstantial evidence. Mr. Trick, then she had a new inspiration. Tom, you didn't. Why don't you undo your skirt shirt collar? Well, I saw it to pump on your head. Did you? I'm burning your jacket. The trouble vanished out of Tom, Tom's face. He opened his jacket. His shirt collar was securely sewn. Bother. Well, so long as you... Uh, so long with you. I'll make sure you play hooky and been a-swimming. But I'll forgive ye, Tom. I reckon you're kind of a single cat. As the saying is, better you, you look. This time... She was half sorry for his sanctity, miscarriage, and half glad that Tom had stumbled in obedient contact for once. But Cindy said, Well, now, if you, if I don't think you sewed his collar, you're white afraid, but it's black. Hey, I did sew it white, Tom. But Tom didn't wait for the rest. As he went out the door, he said, Sidley, I'll lick you for that. In a safe place, Tom examined two large needles, which were thrust in the lapels of his jacket. 
left thread bound about them. One needle carried white thread and the other black, he said. She's even she's never noticed it. When it been had it been for Sid, confound it. Sometimes she sews it with white, sometimes she sews it black. I wish I could give me she says stick it one another. I can't keep the run of them. But I bet you are ham said for that I'll learn him. He's not the model boy of the village. He knew the model boy very well though, and loathed him. Within two minutes or less he had forgiven all forgotten all his troubles. Not because his troubles were one, wit less heavier and witter to him than a man are to man, but because his new and powerful interests bore them down and bore them out of his mind of time. Just as a man with fortunes were forgotten, excitement of new enterprises. His new interest was a valued opportunity of whistling, which he had acquired from a negro. He was suffering to, to practice it undisturbed. It consisted of a particular bird-like turn, a sort of liquid wobble, produced by touching the tongue under the roof, a sound of short intervals in the midst of music. The reader probably remembers how to do it. Has he been a boy? He never been if he had never been a boy, vigilance and attention should be given him with the knack of it. He stood about on the street with his mouth full of honey, his soul full of gratitude. He might as much an astrologer feels when he discovered a new planet. No doubt Thor is a strong, deep and annoyed pleasure is concerned and the advantage was the boy, not the astrologer. The summer evenings were long, it was dark, not dark, yet readily. Tom checked his whistle. A stranger was before the boy. A boy, a large, a shade larger than himself. A newcomer, any age or any sex, was an impressive curiosity in a poor little shabby village of St. Petersburg. This boy was well-dressed too, well-dressed on a wake day. This is certainly astonishing. His cat was daily thin. His clothes button blue cloth round about was new and natty and so with pantaloons he had shoes on he was only friday he wore a necktie a bright bit of ribbon he criticised air about him and act into ton vitals the more tom stared at the supreme marvel the higher he turned up his nose at his finery and the shabby and shabbier his own outfit seemed to him to grow. Neither boy spoke. If one moved, the other one moved, but only sideways in a circle that kept them face to face, eye to eye, all the time. Finally, Tom said, I can lick you. I like to see you try it. Well, I can do it. No, you can't either. Yes, I can. No, you can't. I can. You can't. Can. Can't. I'm pleased to come to pause. Then Tom said, What's your name? Isn't any of your business, maybe? Well, I'll know you. I'll make it my business. Well, why don't you? You, if you say that much, I will. Much, much, much. That's now. Now, oh, you think you're mighty smart, don't you? I thought I'd lick you one hand tied behind my back if I wanted to. Well, why don't you do? You say you can do it. Well, well, I'll fall. If I fall with me. Oh, yes, I see my whole family's in the same fix. Smarty, you think you're some. Now, don't you? Oh, what a hat. You can lump that hat if you you don't like it. I dare you to knock it off. Anyone that dare that dare will suck eggs. You're a liar. You're another. You're a fire liar. And dance, take it up. Yeah, take a walk. Say, 
you give me that much more of your answers, I'll take that and bounce the rock off your head. Oh, of course you will. Well, I will. Well, why don't you do it then? What do you, why do you keep saying you will for? Why don't you do it? It's because you're afraid. I ain't afraid. You are. I ain't. You are. Another pause, another, a more eyeing, sullying around each other. Presently, they were shoulder to shoulder. Tom said, Get away from here. No, go away from, go yourself. Oh, I won't either. So they stood, each with a foot placed on an angle with a brace, both shoving with might and main, and glowing, glowing at each other with hate. But neither would get an advantage. After struggling to both were hot and flushed, so each relaxed his strain with watchful caution. Tom said, You're a coward and a pup. I tell my brother and you, he can thrash you until he's little with his little finger. I'll make him do it too. What do I care about your big brother? I've got a brother that's bigger than he is. And what's more, you can throw him over the fence too. Both brothers were imaginary. It's a that's a lie. You're you're saying so so don't make make do it do so. Tom drew a line in the dust with a big big toe and said, I'll dare you to step over. I'll lick you till you can't stand up. Anyone who take a dare was still sheep. New boy stepped over promptly and said, now, I said you do it, you do it. Now let's see you do it. Don't you crowd me now. You better look out. Well, you said you'd do it. Why don't you do it? By lingering for two cents, I'd do it. New boy took two broad coppers out of his pocket and held them out with derision. Tom struck them on the round. In an instant, both boys were rolling and tumbling in the dirt, quick together like cats. For the space of a moment, they tugged and tore each other, hair and clothes, punched and scratched each other, nose and covered themselves with dust and glory. Presently, the confusion took form, and through the fog of the battle, Tom appeared, seated astride the new boy, and pounding him with fists. Horror enough, said he. The boy only struggled to free himself. He was crying, mainly from rage. Hello enough! And apparently went on. At least, at last the stranger got uh, uh, smothered. Enough! And Tom let him up and said, Now that learn you, better look out now who you're falling with next time. New boy went off, brushing and dust with his clothes, sobbing, snuffling, and occasionally looking back and shaking his head and threatening what he would do to Tom the next time he caught him out. To which Tom responded with jeers and started off in a high feather. As soon as his back was turned, the new boy snatched up a stone, threw it and hit him behind the shoulders, and turned tail and ran like an antelope. Tom chased the traitor home and thus found out where he lived. He then held a position at the gate for some time, daring the enemy to come outside, but the enemy only made faces at him through the window and declined. At last the enemy's mother appeared and called Tom a bad, vicious, vulgar child and ordered him away. So she, he went away, but he said he lowered to lay for that boy. He got home pretty late that night. Then he climbed cautiously into, into that window. He uncovered the ambuscade in the person of his aunt. And when she saw his state of clothes, were in resolution to turn his Saturday holiday into captivity of hard, a hard labour, became adamantine in its firmness.